Sorry, dramatic pause there. Well, good morning. <laughs> Sorry, my little parts here. I just want to say a big welcome to everybody today. How's the weather out there? Is it nice? Are you enjoying that? I just wanted to say a big welcome as well to everybody watching online. Um, I, I don't know if you looked ahead. Anybody look at the forecast? A little further than that. Next Sunday's supposed to be in the 20s again. Huh? Yeah. Exactly, right. You know, it's... We've been in this difficult sermon series, and it's been really hard, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, just help us all to be in that place to receive today. But, yeah, so get out today and get out tomorrow, because it's all going to kind of, I guess, go down, and hopefully that'll be the last kiss of winter uh, for this, this year. I'm ready to, to move on, that's for sure. Um, just want to say a big welcome to anybody here for the first time, um, uh, whether you're here in person or online. It's just great to have you, and it's great to, to be gathered together. Um, it's, it's really awesome for, I wish all of you could come up here at times. Like kind of file through because it's just great to see all of your faces here and, and just when we gather it's just so encouraging right there's something about gathering together with God's people as we lift up our voices and and again we worship God together and so you know we're gathered here today uh, together not just you know to, to sing a couple songs and, and hopefully have our ears tickled but truly to gather together as, as the Word of God tells us to and to be encouraged by it and so that's my hope and my prayer for you um, I just wanted to follow up real quick to one of the announcements uh, for this serve Saturday with John Kopecki how many were here when we at, at the start of the shutdown when we were outside in the parking lot how many raise your hands okay so a good number of people you were probably all in your cars you know behind the windshields and everything if you remember that John Kopecki, he actually donated, he let us use his trailer, if you remember the stage we had. The first day was on a U-Haul truck, <laughs> and then after that we had that stage for a while. That was John Kopecki just being kind. He's always been very kind, very, very gracious to this church, uh, willing to help. And so uh, to hear you know, that he, he needs some help, and I think it would be awesome for us, as many of us, to help as, as possible. I don't remember if Pastor Tony, if you mentioned it this service or not, um, but again, he, he's, he said that no one's ever offered to help with things before like that. And so I think we have a real opportunity as a church, and that's really part of what Surf Saturday is all about, isn't it? Is to go out and to be the church and the community. So I do hope you'll make a, an effort to be there, and it'll be a, a great time as we serve others. So today we are going to be finishing up uh, our Beatitude series, all right? Have you guys enjoyed it? Hopefully. <laughs> I've heard from quite a few. It's kind of like going to the woodshed almost every Sunday, isn't it? It kind of hurts your feelings a little bit. And I get it. And it's, it's kind of meant that way. But it's, you know, again, like I said, I, when I'm preparing messages, I have to go to the woodshed like kind of all week leading up to this. And so, um, you know, I, I understand as well. And it, and it is. It, we need to be, continue to be um, uh, shaped and molded into the image of Christ, so to speak, right? To be like Jesus. And sometimes, you know, our feelings might get hurt a little bit. <laughs> but that's good, you know? That's why God gave us ten toes. You know, somebody steps on them. We still have some more to work with. And, you know, every now and then we're going to step on your toes here. But it's in love. And it's, it's, again, we all need that. We all need to be challenged. We all need to to really hold that mirror up and, and look at ourselves and say, are we walking, are we modeling Christ in our lives in every area? And that's what, I, I love the, the songs we sang today, and it's really all about that, right? It's, a, it's about, you know, Christ being magnified. Christ being magnified in us. It's not, it's not just people that come here and sit and, you know, they're in the church of a structure. It's Christ be magnified in me so that when I go out, when I go into the world, when I, you know, we, we're called a light in the darkness, Right? And it's about showing Christ to others. So, you know, that's, that's really what this series has been about. And so today we'll be wrapping up and we'll be just bringing everything to a close. And if you've missed any of them, I do hope you'll go back uh, on our website and check out some of those sermons because I think they've been really beneficial. I've, I've been blessed by them um, and I hope you have too. You know, when I was um, younger, I, I started to, to play soccer when I was a young kid my mom, never, she wouldn't let me play football because it was too dangerous, um, which I know a lot of people that survived, you know, after playing football. Uh, so she, but she wouldn't let me do that. Hockey was too expensive, so I was stuck with, with soccer, and it wasn't really that popular, actually, back, you know, back in the day. And, um, but I remember growing up, and, and as I progressed and, you know, played on my high school team and uh, went on to play in college, but there started to, to be a point where, you know, it wasn't just, hey, I want to play, and you got to play. It's you actually had to try out to get on the team, all right? Has anybody ever tried out for something? Yeah? Four people. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, we can start something today. But, um, 
But no, it's, it's, you know, whether maybe it's, maybe you played a musical instrument, right? And you had to try out for a, a music group or you sing or something like that, you know, maybe you're trying to make a promotion. There's, there's these moments in life where, you know, we have to sort of try out. We have to measure up, if you will, and, and to make, whether it's making the team or, or whatever it is, making the, the band or the orchestra, whatever that might be. Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, I, I know with myself when growing up and in these moments of trial, you know, I was so focused on just making the cut, right? Like, just, I just want to be on this team or I want to be part of this. And, you know, you, you get to that point and then you make it, right? And how many know after you make it, that's kind of just the beginning. Then you've actually got to go on and be a part of it. Um, I remember specifically when I started to play college, you know, soccer college, and soccer in college, and I was, I was in pretty good shape at the time, but we used to, like, warm up with, like, a four- or five-mile run before like our, our practice, like when we were doing our two-week training camp leading up to the season. And I kind of was like, excuse me? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I've run four miles in my life, let alone to warm up for, but, but, you know, I'd made the team, and so now I was committed, and so now I had to kind of walk through and go through the season and, and become and develop as a player. And, you know, when, we're, when we've been in this series, this Upside Down Kingdom series, and again, we've, we touched on the fact that it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the beginning, the opening kind of um, thoughts and, and, and words of wisdom that Jesus is giving. Um, we, we need to do so kind of with that sort of thought in mind, meaning, um, you know, we, Jesus is presenting what it is to be a believer, to be a disciple, and to be a follower of Jesus, in these Beatitudes. This is, here's, the, here's what should be happening. Here's the markers, if you will, of what it is to be a disciple. And he's going to go on and he's going to teach the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. But as he starts with this, you know, it's, it's, it's important for us to take note. And, um, you know, he's going to go on and, like I said, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to begin to introduce things like, you know, we're, we're supposed to be salt and light and how he's come to fulfill the law and anger and murder and, and talking about lust and adultery. He's going to talk about divorce and remarriage, oaths, uh, eye for an eye. Here's one, how we're supposed to love our enemies, right? That was an, a foreign thing at that time, like to love our enemies. You know, I'm lucky to love my, my own kids at times, let alone my enemies as well. But Jesus is going to present this. He's going to talk about giving to the needy. He's going to teach how to pray, how to fast. He's going to talk about treasures in heaven, not here on earth. He's going to go on and talk about not worrying, about not to judge uh, hypocritically. And he's also going to talk about how we're supposed to ask, seek, and knock, like we're supposed to pursue. And he's going to talk about the narrow gate, Right? Contrary to what the world says today, that there's, there is a narrow gate. There's a narrow path that we're supposed to come to God through, through Jesus Christ. There's not a wide road. And he's going to talk about false prophets. And then finally, he's going to close with the wise builder. And so again, he's going to get into a lot of these important areas in this Sermon on the Mount, but it, starts, it all starts with the Beatitudes. And what we're going to cover today is, is his, his final point, if you will, as he begins to transition to the rest. And so... I know, you know, we've been in this series, I think, for eight weeks now. This would be number nine. And as we wrap today, though, I just really want us to think about, and we're going to read this one more time for the road, if you will. Hopefully it's the, not the last time you ever read it. But in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read through this. And what I'd like to do is today, um, when I read uh, verses 3 through 10, I'm going to read the first part of it. I'm going to read, blessed are the poor in spirit, for example, and you'll reply with the back half, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, okay? And we're going to kind of, kind of respond to, to the word of God today, and then I'll, I'll finish this out with verses 11 and 12 where we'll be today. So let's go ahead and, and jump in, in in verse 1, seeing the crowds. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit... Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets 
who were before you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person, Lord, in this place today. I thank you for all those watching online. God, I thank you again just that we have taken just this time to gather together, to lift our voices, Lord, in worship and praise to you as we offer ourselves, Lord, to you. God, I pray that during this time, during this message, Lord God, you would truly speak to our hearts, Lord, through your word. And again, Father, as it's been a challenging run here, a challenging go, Lord, with this passage of Scripture, um, God, I pray that we would still, Lord, just uh, be willing to entrust you with our hearts today to do with as you please. And God, we just pray, Lord God, and thank you, Lord, that we will leave this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to uh, begin today by talking about um, something that I think most people in this room might be familiar with. The first service was a little harder to connect with. Um, anybody seen any of the Marvel movies that are out? Okay, good. This is going to go a lot better uh, today. <laughs> Different group of people in the first service. So um, anyway, you know, the Marvel movies have been out for a while. You know, Captain America, Iron Man, all those, uh, Thor and all them, Avengers. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was, they're amazing to me. There's a lot of great ones. Some of the newer ones, they do have a little bit of kind of alternative agendas and stuff going on in them. But um, overall, though, uh, you know, my kids, we've gone and watched them, and it's just been, it's been fun. It's been fun for me, you know, because growing up with that stuff and to see it kind of played out on the big screen. But with the Marvel movies, as they've uh, come out, there's, there's a new phenomena that came out with them. And I don't know that they were the first ones to do it, but they were, I think, probably the most consistent, all right? Would you like to know what that is? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, but... What happens is, is when you watch a Marvel movie now and you get to the end and, and the, the credits start coming up, do you just get up and leave? See? You guys are Marvel watchers, aren't you? No, why? Why? There's a credit scene, right? There's something that's coming. And, and you know, when you first, like, I remember going to the first couple Marvel movies and then you hear about it afterwards, like, oh, no, I, I missed something. I, you know, somebody tells you, you didn't stay, you didn't know. And then when you get kind of the, the clue and you're, you're in the know, then you, you, know, you, you sit down and you sort of chuckle when you see the other people standing and leaving, right? Or maybe you're nice and actually say, hey, you might want to stay. But I tend to chuckle. And it's like, well, you're going to miss it, you know. But, um, but why? Because there's something coming, right? There's something sort of that's going to kind of either put a wrap on the movie or that's going to kind of set the stage for something else, another movie or what's going to happen next, right? And so when we know about it, we stick around and we want to see that last little bit and we kind of you know, go through the credits and the music and we get that, that kind of piece there at the end. And, you know, today, the, this, this verses 11 and 12, it's kind of the credit scene, if you will, uh, for the Beatitudes. We've gone through the eight Beatitudes and this is kind of the, the wrap up and it's like the transition and kind of setting the stage for the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And so, um, so you, you've stayed Okay, and it's good that you're here because you're going to get the credit scene today, and it's going to be great, and you're going to understand where things are going uh, going forward. And you know, in this in this these two verses here, as we wrap up, it says in verse 11 and 12, it says, "Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, on my account." And again, this is kind of mind blowing, but here's verse 12. He says, "Rejoice and be glad." Are people causing you difficulties? Is it, are you going through a hard time because of your faith? We're supposed to rejoice and be glad in that. I, I don't know about you, but that's typically not my first response. But here Jesus is saying we're supposed to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your re reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he's saying, you know, you're in good company. It's, it's okay. This is, your reward is not here on earth. It's in heaven. And something has happened here from the other Beatitudes, and maybe you've caught this, maybe you haven't, but something to really take note of is, you know, all the other Beatitudes, it says, you know, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for they shall be comforted, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, notice what's said here. It says, he says he's now saying, blessed are you. Now, I've spent my whole life trying to figure out the they's and them's. You know, when somebody has a complaint or something, you know, like, well, they, they're not happy. I'm like, who are they? Right? You ever had those people, you know, the thems? Well, it's going to really make them upset. Well, I would love to meet them someday if you could produce them. Or is it you <laughs> that's standing in front of me? But there's, there's something about when this, this, you know, going from third person to second person where Jesus is now saying, you, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. It's now become very personal, hasn't it? Because now Jesus is speaking directly to us 
And as we, you know, when we read these passages and when we have this setting, you know, they, it starts for a reason, you know, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. You need to picture yourself, put yourself in that setting, asking yourself, why are these people here? Why are they gathered? Kind of where are they coming from? And to understand what Jesus is trying to get at, what he's saying, and picture yourself sitting there at, at, in that crowd at the feet of Jesus, if you will, while he's speaking. And if you would today, imagine you're kind of off to the side, you know, you got the cheap seats off to the edge. And Jesus is kind of talking like this. But in this moment, I want today, in your mind, I want you to imagine Jesus now turning his head and looking straight at you. When he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. You know, blessed are you, you know, Tom, or blessed are you, you know, Julie. Whoever, he's talking to us today. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And so, you know, what I want to do today is, 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 is as we wrap up our time today, and I kind of want to capture this, this whole picture of, of everything we've been sort of taking and, and learning and kind of processing throughout the Beatitudes series. And I want us to go back to the Old Testament. I want to look at an account that happens, that takes place. And it's, it's probably going to be familiar for some. It may not be familiar with others. But it's something I think is just a great snapshot, and I want you, we're really going to explore this as we really think about what it is to be blessed when we're you know, being persecuted and reviled, right? When, all, when other uh, kinds of evil come against us falsely on, on the account of Jesus, right? I don't know if you've experienced this ever before, but you know, maybe in your workplace, you know, if, if you're walking you know, in your walk with God and you're living out your testimony... And maybe you found favor in, in the eyes of your, your uh, manager or, or boss and stuff, and you've, you've promoted throughout the ranks, if you will. How many have ever, how many people, like, most of the time, like, oh, you know, all the coworkers just love it, especially those that have been there for a long time, and, and for some reason you're promoted above them, right? You kind of hop, and you get to this position. Why? Because the employer might trust you. They may see that you're a hard worker. And, and so they promote you to this position, and then there's those people that kind of got bypassed, and it doesn't always go well, right? And so, you know, that's what he, you know, he's saying here is that it's, you're being, uh, that evil's being done against you falsely on my account, where people begin to make up stories, or they begin to say stuff that's not true. Why? Because they're jealous of, of what, what's being done, really what God's doing through you. And so, today I want us to go to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm going to kind of just give a quick uh, snapshot of the first two chapters to get us run up, and I want to jump in at chapter three together. And we're going to kind of explore um, one of the accounts here that takes place in this, uh, in this book of the Bible. In Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Anybody heard of Nebuchadnezzar? Any, any children's names make the cut with that one? <laughs> I thought about it for a minute, but... It's like, no, that's, that's okay. I don't know what his nickname would be. But, um, but yeah, so he's the king of Babylon. Babylon has come in and, and, he's, and, and, and taken captive Israel, right? They, they've, they're taking over the, basically the whole planet just about. And, and so Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And in, in chapter 1, um, he, as he's, he's taking these prisoners, he commands that some of the kind of cream of the crop of Israel, like the, the young men that, that are, are you know, good in stature and you know, seem to have wisdom and and seem like the right fit. He wants to bring them in and, be, and so that they're taught in Babylon. And so they learn the ways that you know, the Babylonians live and, and, and can kind of um, influence, if you will, their people as well. And so he, he brings them in. And it's particularly we're going to look at these four young men um, that, that were among those that were gathered uh, to be taken in and, and taught. The first one that we're going to talk about is Daniel. Right, Daniel's probably, you're pretty familiar with that name. Uh, he was the one, you know, thrown into the lion's den later on in Daniel. Um, and he, he goes through a lot of things. So he's kind of one of the main, I mean, the book's named after him, right, <laughs> Daniel. So he's, it's, he's kind of a, he's, he's throughout the whole thing. And then there's three others. There's, there's Hananiah, a friend of his, another friend, Mishael, and another friend, Azariah, okay, Azariah. And so these four are, are taken in. And um, what happens is, is when they are brought in, they, uh, they, they make them change their names to, to new names. They're given new names, all right? And so for Daniel, for example, his name meant or means God is judge, right? Talking about Yahweh, God is judge. And they rename him to Belteshazzar, 
which, which is may Baal, Baal protect his life. And this is one of their uh, pagan gods now. All right? They've changed his name. They've tried to kind of take God out of him, if you will, in his name and give him something else. The second, his friend Hananiah meant Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. And his name switched to Shadrach. Remember that now? It's starting to kind of Shadrach, right? And that, his name means the command of Aku, which is their moon god. All right? Mishael meant who is, who is what God is, became Meshach, who is what Aku is, this, again, false god. And then lastly, Azariah meant whom Yahweh helps becomes Abednego, which meant servant of Nebo. And that's another one of their pagan gods. And so, again, not, not by accident, they changed their names to re, try to remove God from, from them and from their lives. And they're, they're giving them these pagan god names, trying to, again, change who they are. Now, in, in again, chapter 1, you know, it begins with, uh, you know, they, by being in the king's court, they're, they're able to get their food and everything else, but Daniel refuses it for him and his friends, saying this doesn't, uh, this goes against, you know, what they had been taught, and, and it would defile them, right? And so if you've ever heard of when we, we fast and do fasting, if you've heard of the Daniel fast, it comes from this, because they chose to kind of eat primarily fruits and vegetables and stay to what uh, God had laid out for them, and then they, um, they excelled because of this, Right? Not just because of what they were eating, but because God's hand was on them. It was resting on them still because they were continuing to be faithful, probably even while others, other brothers and sisters uh, from Israel were probably just going with the flow, right? Like, what's the big deal? We eat some food. So, again, Daniel very quickly establishes that they're not like anybody else. And uh, in chapter 2, and the, the first verses... King uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar begins to have these dreams, and none of his wise men can interpret it, right? He, they, he, they can't, and they're, you know, he's, he's getting really frustrated. And so he responds like maybe many of us, and he just plans to kill all of them because they can't give him an answer, right? It's, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy, right? It's, a little, it's like that might be a little extreme, but here it is. You know, he's like, well, if you can't do your job, then... That's it. I'm cutting you loose, and I'm going to cut you, literally, and you're going to be dead, and it's not going to go well for you. And so here, these are the plans that are laid out. And, and, and then Daniel comes on the scene, and he intervenes because God has given him the interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. All right? And this is what's amazing here, and we're not even to the good stuff yet, by the way. This is all free for you. So Daniel asks the king, he says, don't destroy these wise men of Babylon. So Daniel, the outsider, Daniel, the one coming in, kind of has not been treated probably the best, has had to stand for what he believes and who he believes in, now is pleading for the lives of these, these wicked men, really, and saying, don't destroy them, because, you know, I can interpret this dream. God has given me the interpretation and so in, he, when, when, when the king Nebuchadnezzar looks at him, he's like, but it's, it's not from me, it's, it's from the Lord. And so he interprets the dream, and then this is the amazing part, is then King Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face, it says, before Daniel, and offers worship to Yahweh. Pretty awesome, right? But how quickly we forget. Because <laughs> I want you to remember this picture as we jump into the scripture here in, in chapter 3, that here he is on his face, worshiping Yahweh, and then suddenly Daniel is given this place of honor and ruler as ruler over all the province of Babylon. And he hooks up his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're given positions of authority as well per his request. All right? And so that kind of is the stage as we enter into chapter 3. So we now look at chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3. And again, as I said, how quickly we forget. You know, here we begin chapter 3, and there's this, this scene that King Nebuchadnezzar he decides to build a giant statue of gold, right? And guess whose image he's going to build it in? His own, right? I don't know if you've ever done that before. You know, you, we think we're pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a pretty awesome person. Let me build like a three-story statue out of gold that's myself. <laughs> this is kind of, you know, it's safe to say Nebuchadnezzar had some pride issues, right, that he was trying to work through. And so he builds this statue, and the deal was is that all were to bow to this statue. Whenever they heard this music, they were supposed to bow, and if they didn't, guess what was the consequence? Once again, he's going to kill them, you know? 
It's like when you want to get somebody to kind of follow, that's, that's what's your, that these are your choices, right? You either do what I say or I kill you. Okay, well, suddenly it sounds much better than it did, and I'll go with what you're saying. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar's doing, but he's trying to force this, this worship. And again, if they didn't, death was the consequence. And so everyone bowed. But, you know, again, going back to that phrase, that, that statement we made at the end of chapter 2 of, of how, you know, here was Nebuchadnezzar bowing and worshiping Yahweh, but now all of a sudden he's wanting people to once again worship him, to worship this image of himself. And, you know, a few things just to take away here is, is how, you know, quickly he forgot and the other thing is not everyone who bows to Yahweh has truly given their heart to him, have they? Not everyone who professes Jesus, and we talked about this last week a little bit about the difference between Christianity and Christendom, where people go through the motions and, and you know, we kind of walk these things out. And we, there's, there's the look of Christianity, but it's not authentic Christianity because not everybody who says that Jesus is Lord truly worships Jesus as Lord. And so, you know, in a moment, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's on his face worshiping Yahweh, but in the next moment, he's commanding people to worship himself and this, this image of himself. And when the music played, it says, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped this golden image, except for three. Except for three. Now, I, I, if I were to guess, I would bet that even some of the Jews in that, that were in that crowd probably resolved in their, their own heart saying, you know, well, I'll just go through the motions, but I won't mean it, right? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll bow, but, you know, I mean, remember that God had said anyway, he always talked about their heart, right? And if their heart was, it's more about their heart being circumcised, if you will, than the flesh. And so my heart's still, right? But I'll just get down, and I'll just go through the motions, but it won't mean anything. You know, I think there are, some, of, some, some Christians today that, you know, need to be reminded of this and, and, and to see this stance. Sometimes we've seen this a lot of times with, with guys in, in orange jumpsuits, right, that are being let out. Have you seen that before in other countries on the, the, the shore? And they're forced to kneel down, and there's usually a sword to their neck, and they're like, renounce Jesus. And when they refuse to do so, they're beheaded. They literally lay down their, they could have just say, couldn't they have said the same thing? Like, well, I'll say it just to save my life today, but I'm not going to mean it. You know, God will understand. No, they choose to say, no, I will not renounce Jesus as my Lord and Savior, even if it means death. And it's a very, very sobering, sobering image, isn't it? And I want to ask you this question. I want you to ask yourself this question in this moment. You don't have to answer out loud. But what would you do in that situation? What would you do? What would I do? I'd like to think I would toe the line. <laughs> I'd like to think, you know, but, but maybe, maybe it's me, and maybe I'm kneeling down. Maybe I'm thinking of my wife and my kids, and they need me, right? Like, what's the, shouldn't I just go along with it so if there's a possibility I could see them again? Doesn't that make sense? What would you say if that was you in that situation? And so it goes on in Daniel 3, and we are going to jump in and, and read here in just a minute. Um, and in, in verses 8 through 12, now the very people that Daniel had saved, all those, those, those wise men, as they're called, you know, the sorcerers and magicians, all this stuff, these, these, these people that were supposed to have it all figured out and not able to interpret the dream, though, that he saved, now they come in and they're going like this, and they're talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And again, the very people that had been saved before were now causing problems for, for the, the Israelites, and that's something for us to remember, too, that not everyone in our life is going to be our friend, all right? Even people that we help. And that's why when we do things, when we do things out of kindness, when we, we help people, we choose to get involved in something, we're doing it really is unto the Lord, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't know what that person's going to do in the long run. They may betray us. Maybe you're in this room and that's happened to you. Maybe you've done very kind things and you've helped people at times, and, and then it comes around and, and bites you, Right? But we don't do it for that, right? We don't do it for the, the response from them. We do it as unto the Lord. And so now we're going to jump in in verse 13. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. And it says this. It says now, or it says then, Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage, right? So now he's, he's a little upset. 
because, again, he's found out these, these, his little um, wise men have told him in his ear, like, hey, well, these people, they're not bowing before you. Wasn't that what your instructions were? He's like, yeah, they were. It was my instructions. And so now he's angry. And so in a furious rage, he commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. And so they brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image of myself that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And listen to this. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now, I don't know about you, but my probably thing that I would do, the line that I would say was, it's the same God that you were bowing to and worshiping in front of Daniel just a while ago. <laughs> Yahweh. But he's, who is the God? Who is this God that will deliver you? And it goes on. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I love this stuff. I hope you guys really like The Old Testament sometimes is a little challenging, I know, for people, but this is amazing stuff. Listen to the, the response. Put yourself in that place as they stand in front of the king who has the power to take their life, not just by a, you know, a quick moment, you know, electric chair or something like that. It's, they're going to be thrown into a furnace and burned to death, okay? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And then my favorite part. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Who says that, right? <laughs> That's somebody that has, who has confidence in their God. To stand in front of a king and to sit there and to say, you know, we don't need to answer to you. Why? Because our God is able to save us. We have no doubt in our mind that God can save us in this moment. But they didn't have, you know, the foresight. They didn't know what was going to happen, right? We have the privilege we can just read a couple paragraphs and get the answer. But they're standing there facing death. And they're like, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, <laughs> we will not bow to you or to any of your gods. And I don't know about you, but that convicts me very deeply. Why? Because I think sometimes, I may not say this out loud at times, but sometimes when I'm praying or there's a situation that makes sense to me that it needs to work out this way, th this way, this way, this way, and this way, that if God doesn't do it the way that I think he should, then I'm kind of questioned, like, God, what's going on, right? I, I, I know the best way that this should work out. <laughs> and now, let me just come around this side a bit and say, again, it's not always easy, is it? When you see somebody going through a difficult time or difficult situation, when they're hurting or they're suffering or, or there's this, you know, we, we know that God can set them free, but why isn't he? And are we willing to surrender our will in that moment to say, God, whatever your will is, I will accept it. And I know that you are God. And this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing there in, in front of the king and doing in this moment while their lives literally are being uh, put on the line. So let's, let's read on further here. And it says, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. Again, so it didn't, the response didn't go over well with King Nebuchadnezzar. And the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And this is sort of like why a furnace is a furnace, right? Like it just shows how angry and how prideful he was, right, that somebody would stand against him. 
that he heats it seven times. You know, we're not going to burn him to death. We're going to, like, crank it up, and it's, it's going to happen, like, in a moment, right? Because he's so furious. And I don't know, if se- you know, seven is the number of completion. Maybe it was the perfect temperature. I don't know. But it's just like, why would you heat the furnace more? But here he is, because of his anger and rage, here he is doing this. And so he heats it up seven times. And he, he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And then these men were bound. And it, look at, it was in their cloaks their tunics, again, they're bound, which was interesting to me. You're throwing them into a furnace. So why would you, I would, you know, you toss them in and it, it does the rest, right? But here he is, he's binding them and they have all their clothes on, their, their out, um, outer garments, sorry, the other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. And because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, those, and these, men, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. And what if we just closed the Bible there? What if we didn't read the rest of the story? What if that was the end, and would we be okay with what still serve our God we'll, if God didn't choose to save us? Would we, would we be okay with that? I don't know. I don't know if I would. <laughs> I would struggle a little bit, right? That's not a... That's not the hero's story, so to speak, right? Like, where it goes a different way. Fortunately, it, in this case, it goes on, right? And it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, <laughs> and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, I've asked you many times, and you always say with a resounding yes, that this is the word of God, and we believe this. So this isn't some fantasy story somewhere. This is an account of what happened. And here we see an amazing outcome that now, again, he sees four men in the fire. He sees them not just in the fire, but they're walking around, right? Hey, wow, look at this. This thing looks really hot over here, you know? You know, kind of like playing catch with the coals and stuff. Like, they're just kind of walking around. They're not, you know, they're not scared. And this one that looks like, you know, a son of the gods, this is, you know, this is the Lord. The Lord is present with them there in the fire. He shows up. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God show up before they entered the furnace? Did the Lord show up? Were there four when they went in? No. It wasn't until they were in the fire that the Lord came onto the scene and showed up in their presence, right? And I want to, you know, share today and, and, and to challenge us today as, I, as we think about this, I, I think sometimes we miss out that we, we don't fully experience Jesus and his presence in our lives because we simply spend more time trying to dodge the fire rather than be obedient and stand for, for God and, and for who he is. Because we want our comfort, right? I don't know about you, but a fiery furnace does not sound comfortable to me. But here they are standing and willing to go in there and in the midst of that is where they find Jesus. They find the Lord present and, and with them, and they're not even touched by the fire. And so how many times do we miss this? You know, I, when I talk to some people, and especially, you know, when I share from, here, from, from the platform up here on a, on a Sunday, we have to pause as, as, as being part of this country as, as Americans because historically we have had a very pretty easy life as a Christian here in this country, which is, I'm, I'm thankful for, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But how many fires have we had to walk through? Why is the church exploding in places like China and Iran where the persecution is the greatest? Well, they probably wouldn't invite. I don't, I don't want persecution. <laughs> no more than they wanted to go into a furnace. But my question is, is, is when it comes, is there something there that, that now we are, we're, we're walking with the Lord, Right? We're walking with God, and he shows up. 
I love it. I, I love this. That again, they were unbound in the in the fire, and they're walking with the with the Lord. And it goes on. It says then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And listen, how quickly he gets his act together, right? Servants of the Most High God. It's like, oh yeah, I remember this guy now, because <laughs> I'm scared. Because he showed up, and I can see him, and I'm, I'm probably in trouble. All right? Sons of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the fire. Right? And the satraps, and the perfects, and, and governors, and the king's counselors all gathered around together and saw, listen to this, that the fire had not had any power over their bodies, the bodies of those men. And listen, the hair of their heads was not singed, Listen, this is all here for a reason. Do you understand that? This is here for a reason, this description. Their hairs were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell even of fire had come upon them. And Nebuchadnezzar said that, answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, sent, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up the, their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except, except their own god. Again, he's the one that put them in that situation. He's sitting there. He's got it finally. Sorry, I almost killed you in the furnace. Or I tried. Now I get it, right? Therefore, I make a decree, right? He's jumping on the bandwagon. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Don't you love this stuff? This guy, I'm like, this guy's like, I need to get on that team now because I'm, again, I'm scared. And it says, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Again, this is just incredible to me. You know, again, in the fire, come out of the fire, and not only were they not singed and, and it had no power, there was, they didn't even smell like smoke. Have you ever stand, stood near a campfire for like two minutes? Imagine standing in the fire, what your clothes might smell like. <laughs> it's like, there, there's just, it was evident, it was clear. And so God, again, is demonstrating to, to, to everybody around. It wasn't just King Nebuchadnezzar. It was all of those, he's reminding them, who is, who is the true God? Who is Yahweh? And so, you know, th there's just this picture. And, and going, you know, back to, to where we started today, you know, when it talks about blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great. Where? In heaven, right? For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And again, I think that our, part of our reward and part of when we choose to stand up for God is that we see God. We see God. Remember, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And here we see these three in this fire. In 1 Peter 4.12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to what? To test you. As though something strange were happening to you. We shouldn't be surprised when these things happen. Let me go back for a moment to that scene of, of those, those men that were lined up on the, the bank of, of the water there in those orange jumpsuits saying, you know, deny your Jesus or die. Do you know what happened to the town, the little town that where they were from? When they got news that all of them had been killed by being beheaded, they had a huge celebration. And when they were asked, like, why in the world, because they all had come from this small little community, and they said, why in the world would you be celebrating when all your sons, your, your men, these young men, these men were killed, murdered? And they said, because we got word that while they were being murdered, they were still professing Jesus with their lips and with their hearts. And they died professing the, Jesus as Lord. And they didn't give up their faith. They didn't renounce their faith. And they stood can you believe that? 
But yet, that's what we're told, right? When persecution comes, rejoice and be glad. Because those, that village knew, they knew where they were in eternity, that their loved ones were now present with the Lord, that they saw God. And when we go through, you know, it, going through, I can't imagine, you know, that, that situation, that scene, being in that. But I truly believe because they, they truly saw God in that moment. Because it goes beyond human strength, right? Human ability. God was present in that moment. I believe that they knew that they were closer than ever before to the Lord. As we prepare to, to wrap things up today, I want to read something from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And again, if you want to talk about somebody who experienced persecution under the Nazi regime, this, is, this guy just endured hardship after hardship all the way to the end. And he was, he was put to death like a few weeks before Germany, or before the Nazis um, surrendered. Just a few weeks before. And he had been constantly, you know, against what was going on there. And, and he shared this, or this was a, a quote that he said, and I want to share it with you. And it said this, he said, he said, comfort the troubled and trouble the comfortable. Comfort the troubled and trouble the comfortable. You know, I think we do the comforting the troubled really well a lot of times. <laughs> but my prayer today is, Lord, let us be troubled here in this place today. Because sometimes we can become so comfortable with just, you know, here's our life. This is what we do. And we can lose sight of what it is God has called us to do and what he's called us to be obedient in. In 1 Peter 4, verses 13 through 14, and we, this was actually part of the song that we sang there at the end this morning. I said, but rejoice insofar as you, are, you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. You see, I, I don't think that you can separate God's presence from the world's persecution. And I think we desperately try, you know, I think our heart's desire a lot of times is to, you know, we want, we want God in our lives. We want to, to maybe sense his presence in our lives and to kind of see him, if you will. But we want to do so from, from the safety of the shore, so to speak, Right? We want to do so from our comfortable place. And it's just po impossible. You know, go back, go back to the image of, of the disciples on the boat when Jesus came walking them, to them on the water, right? And what did he tell Peter to do? He said, Peter, what? Come here. Step out onto the water. And, you know, Peter gets a bad rap because he, he sank, right? <laughs> but he sure took about two or three steps before he did. Well, all the, other, all the disciples, they sat in the boat because they were scared. They didn't want to step out, out of the boat. <laughs> How many know God is calling us to step out of the boat this morning? To step out of the boat and, and to engage. There's a world around us. You don't need to seek out persecution. It doesn't work that way. It's not like, oh, hey, I need to find some persecution because then I'll be close to God. Seek God, <laughs> and I can promise you, you're gonna, persecution will find you. Because you won't be able to help not sharing the gospel. You won't be able to help living your life in such a way that it's evident that you serve Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It will just happen. And it'll be evident and persecution will come. And when it comes, listen, there's three things I'm going to give you before we close out. Persecution comes, it has the potential to do the following. It gives us the opportunity to, one, deploy our faith, Okay. To say, God, I trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I trust you and I will walk with you. Number two, to develop our communication with God. It's, that's prayer, right? We should be in prayer. And a lot of times when, it, when the pressure comes, that pushes us to our knees to pray. And number three, it deepens our conviction of who we serve. That we will withstand whatever comes for the sake of the cross. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. God, I thank you for... Just this last message, Lord, of, of, of the Beatitudes and the credit scene, as we've called it today. And God, just as you've given us a glimpse of all these things, Lord, throughout the Beatitudes, that as we choose, Lord, to, to follow you, as we, 
you know, truly are poor in spirit, Lord God, and, and that we are those who mourn and, and to trust that we will be comforted as a result. And that, Lord, that if we are meek, that we will inherit the earth. God, if we're merciful, we'll receive mercy from you. And if we're pure in heart, God, we will truly see you. And Lord, if we are peacemakers, we will be called sons and daughters of God. And God, ultimately, if, if we hunger and thirst for righteousness and we truly are persecuted for righteousness' sake, God, that the kingdom of heaven will be ours. God, help us to find that place where we can rejoice and be glad even amidst whatever trial may come. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you have been doing a work, Lord, over these last eight weeks, Lord, in our hearts. God, as you've shown us what a true disciple is, and, and God, we just pray, Father God, that you will continue, Lord, to help us to, to desire to grow in our walk with you. God, to step, Lord, into the deep, to step out of the boat, Father, and to trust, trust you. God, let us not be satisfied. Let us be uncomfortable today. Let us not be satisfied with where we are. But God, let us pursue you, even if it means going through the valley or, or going into the fire, Lord, because we know that you will truly meet us, Father, in that place. God, I pray for each person here in this room. I pray for each person watching online today. God, that you are present with them, that you are there. Lord, if anyone within the sound of my voice does not know you as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that they will make that, that choice today, that decision today that they will confess their sin, that they will acknowledge Jesus as, as Lord and God, that, that again, he came to earth, he died on the cross for their sins and rose again on the third day and now is seated at the right hand of, of the Father. And God, that may they make that profession of faith today, not just words out of their mouth, but Lord, a decision within their heart, Father, that their lives would truly be changed forever. God, we thank you that, that today is a day, God, where, where you have, have accomplished great things in us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?